Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. It's time to engage. I love what Solomon talks about uh, as he speaks uh, to fathers, to anyone in leadership. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Love and faithfulness. Our father, God, is a God of love. And he's faithful. He's always faithful. And one of the traits of a man or woman of God who uh, is leading anybody, we must love and mix that love with faithfulness. We're supposed to bind love and faithfulness around our necks. We're supposed to bind it around our necks. In other words, as we wear gold and jewelry, so should people see the love, the ornament of love and faithfulness hanging from our necks. Not a shackle, not doing it because, uh, or begrudgingly doing it because we have to do it, but it should be a willingness and a joy when we're leading others. We're supposed to write them on the tables of our heart. If someone were to read your heart language or your heart book, they should be able to see love and faithfulness written on the tables of your heart. If we do that, if we put inscribe love and faithfulness on our hearts, and if we wear them as an ornament around our necks, then we will find a win, the scripture says. It's almost like over a period of time running this race with that type training and discipline, you will win favor. Favor will be your reward. Favor isn't fair. Favor, says God, will take you from the back of the line and put you in the front of the line because of the favor that he gives you. He'll take you from obscurity and make sure that you are at a whole nother level are operating on a whole nother level. And we call that level, a level of favor. He will even give you a good name. And a good name is more precious than abilities. It's more precious than money in the bank. A good name is more precious than silver and gold. Because the name will outlast or outlive you. And God says you'll find that favor in the sight of God. Solomon says, in the sight of God, you'll find that favor and in the sight of men. God, our father, sees every pain. He sees every struggle that we go through and he's he's familiar with it. The word was made flesh and I'm so excited about that. The word was made flesh. The word, the logos was made flesh. And it dwelled among us. And he is familiar with our pain and our struggle. He's not absent, an absentee leader, an absentee God, or an absentee father. He knows where we have walked. He knows what we've endured. He knows what we've gone through. He's able, because he's familiar with our pain and our sorrows, he's able to heal each heart wound. He's able to heal all scars. He's able to fix the broken places in our lives. He's a good father. 
Glory to God. He's a good father. And I want to just take a moment and slap some praise on my God. God, I thank you for being a good father, a good father, a good father. And because he's a good father, he motivates me to be a better father, to be a better father. I have a, a picture of my daughter uh, when we were just a young church. Uh, we used to do picnics uh, during the summer months. And we were doing this picnic, and she was maybe a year old, and she's in my arms, and I had hair at the time, and, and I was holding her in my arms. And I preached uh, one Sunday with her in my arms. I mean, I was sore for a week afterwards. Uh, <laughs> you need to work out if you're going to hold a baby for an hour. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I, I see the tenderness that we share. And she crawled uh, in the bed with me yesterday and started talking to me about her life. And uh, that kind of relationship is so important, especially for young girls. They need to be able to come to their daddy. If they don't come to daddy, they'll go to Daniel. <laughs> and I don't want them hanging out with Daniel. I want them hanging out with daddy. I'll show you how to hang out with Daniel. Now you all know me, right? And it's important for them to know, to know daddy before they start dealing with Daniels. Glory to God. And my daughter is not perfect, but I thank God that she was able to come in. And I love the relationship. I was able to talk to her about some things about her life uh, when she was just a young girl, just a young infant uh, on a Saturday like it was yesterday. Uh, I sat her up on the pillow and I went in the bathroom to shave. I may have been in there 15 minutes. And when I came out, she was slumped over. And uh, she didn't scream out. She was slumped over trying to lift up her body without screaming out. And when I saw her in that state, that state I saw her perpetually lumped over like that. And it just really touched me deeply. I picked her up. And I said, why didn't you cry out? I would have come in to to fix that. She didn't understand what I was saying. And I walked around the house for maybe an hour, hour and a half, and I just got this vision of her being uh, contorted or uh, maybe abused, and she wouldn't scream out. The kind of girl that would let somebody slap her and wouldn't say nothing about it. I don't know why I saw that. And it just bothered me. And I just, God, that's when God bonded me with the child. I mean, I bonded in my soul. I mean, she was like flesh of flesh. Glory to God. That's why I love the fact that the word was made flesh. He felt us. He felt what we're going through. You're never isolated to say, well, I don't know if anybody knows what I'm. God knows what we deal with. He knows our pain and our sorrows. And the word was made flesh. I keep hearing it. The word was made flesh. And my love was made flesh when I held my baby and I, I walked around for an hour before I came to my senses. And I began to talk to her even at 18. There's a part of you that won't cry out. There's a part of you that will try, try to protect the perpetrator from me. I already see it in you. And I want to fix that. I want to make sure you can always come to me. 
Even if you don't like what I say, you can always come to me. Even if I don't like what you're doing, you can always come to me. You know where I get that from? From the good father. It doesn't matter what you've gone through or what you've done. The enemy will try to separate you from your God and separate you from your purpose. Glory to God. Because purpose always leads to deliverance and deliverance will lead to preservation. So the enemy tries to separate from our purpose, separate us from our purpose, even on the onset of the relationship. But don't let him separate you from your purpose, because if you know your purpose, no shackle can hold you down. And no sin can hold you down. Nothing you did in the past can stop you from finding the favor with God. The scripture says there's some things we need to do. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Glory to God. Write them on the tables of your heart. Then you will win favor. Run the race and win the prize called favor. And a good name in the sight of God. And in the sight of man. And if you keep doing this, no matter what mistakes have been made in the past, you will find the favor. You will win the favor if you just stick with the plan of God. I found at least 21 attributes of, uh, of our Father God that God wants to infuse in all leaders, in all fathers and mothers today. These 21 attributes are something that you and I need to go after. You want to be a good, good father, then let's go after the attributes of the ultimate father. Let me just call men today the essential man. The essential man. You are the essential man. You're on the scene. At 11 o'clock, I'm dealing with the power of presence. The essential man needs to be felt and known. He can't just be a person who show up on Christmas time or once a month. He must be present. The power of present. He has to be there guarding, looking. Because if not, these young roots will grow up in the trees. And they'll grow up saying, I don't need no daddy. I don't need nobody telling me what to do. I don't need nobody. I got my own way. Glory to God. And mothers really try to help their kids. But we need the masculine, the masculinity to come along sometime and strip all of that down and say, you need to soldier and get your head together. Because you can't just go through life doing what you want to do. Sometimes we advance more when we don't do what we want to do and we submit to authority. You will actually advance more than when you do what you want to do. Here are 21 attributes that I believe God is infusing during this time, during a chaotic time in America. During a time where this is an election year and all kinds of things are coming out. The nature of man is coming out. I heard Bishop McLaughlin say politics is probably one of the most wicked things that you could ever see. People don't go, they're either left or right. They're either left or right and you'll go left or right if you don't know who's up or down. God is up. We need, we need to understand that politics is different from Christianity. You need to know who's up in your life. God is above all. Glory to God. Some people are so left that they go so left that they're still in a circle. They're still going around the block in their old neighborhood. That's how far they go left. They're still circling in their own neighborhood and got a whole world to look at. And then some people are so right, they're going in the ditch. What about going up? What about lifting up your eyes into the hills from which comes your help? Your help comes from God. 
I was just listening to some of the rhetoric that's coming out, some of the name calling that's coming out. And we're looking to these people to lead us morally. They don't have the morals. We need to find the morals from a good father. One of the first things you need to know about our father, it's one of the 21 attributes. He is loving. He is loving. You can write it down, 1 John 3 and 1. So what great love the father has lavished or bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. He's loving. I noticed in the book of Proverbs that a good father, a good man, or a good woman is always loving and faithful. This is something that we can all embrace. Love is the way. Love doesn't mean that we, put, we, we, we bat our eye or close our eyes to apparent sin. But what it does mean, you have a loving nature. You can reach out. And wave at kids and help elderly folk. Help them by not bringing them COVID-19. I was speaking today to a group of men and just basically saying as we open up our church, we need to think about what we're doing here. We cannot be so weak in affirmation ourselves that we allow apparent aberrations to take place. Because we want affirmation ourselves. We must stand on what's right. And that's how we show love is to stand on what's right. The way God lavished love upon us is to hang on the cross. He endured pain. And we need to endure the pain of showing love. And that is to tell people what they need to hear. To do for them what they can't do for themselves. They don't have the mental or the spiritual or the moral level of ability that, that level in their ability to do and to manage themselves they may think they do but they don't I was telling some young people a young man the other day that you cannot tell me about faith if you're still in your mother's house you can't teach me faith if your mother's taking care of your bills you can't perch sit on the perch perch in the nest and you've never flown before and tell the father eaglet, the father eagle and the mother eagle, I don't agree with you. You have to wait until you fly. Give me some works based on your faith. Not based on me covering you. You have to be able to step out of the nest and then let me see you soar. Then you can talk to me about faith. You don't even tie and you talking to me about faith? Come on. You need to understand that is a, that is just, that's just knowledge. That has nothing to do with walking it out. And a good loving father will tell you the truth. Number two, kindness. Our father's kind. Now don't hold me to the way I preach because I preach with a lot of passion. You think I'm angry all of the time. But <laughs> our father's kind. So let me calm this down. Be very kind one to another. Kindness. Kindness. Reach out one to another. I love the passage in Ephesians 2 and verse 7. So that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us. In kind. God was so kind in Christ Jesus for us. He said, I'm going to put all of the anger and the wrath on Christ so you don't have to feel it. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Kindness. And kind fathers always share gifts. They're not stingy. They're not always trying to save money for themselves. They pour it out on their families and on, the, on their children. They make sure they have what they need. Let me say it again. A kind father will always make sure that they lavish or they give gifts. They give gifts. That's what we do. We don't spoil with the gifts. But a kind heart has to show some gifts, has to share gifts. This is what God does, and this is what we should do. Save your money and invest. It's one of the things I'm looking at right now is how can I get in the stock market? And it was my son that gave me the, uh, uh, the desire. I've never had a desire to do stocks. But he said, Daddy, I'm in the stocks. I said, what? <laughs> you? Well, teach me. Glory to God. One of the things I've always tried to do, and I use my family as an example, is to be kind. I told my daughter, if you do well in school, you'll have the latest in technology. That's my gift to you. I want you to do well in school. You want an iPhone? <laughs> yes, it's pretty steep. <laughs> it's pretty steep. But I tell you what I'll do. I'll make sure you have one. I'm just throwing it out there. You may not have my same template, but I'm saying you got to show some kindness. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. Even if they don't tell you, they'd be like, Dad is stingy. <laughs> Good fathers, they love, they, they show it, they, they, they hug, they, they put them on the hip, they walk around, they give a gift. It, may, it doesn't have to be expensive like an iPhone, but there's a gift that has to come. Kind people give gifts. Kind mothers and fathers cook meals and gives gifts. Give gifts. I was sharing with, uh, I do a, a morning devotional, I was sharing that if you, you don't have uh, uh, the ability to get with your father, you know, do a, a, video, a video call or, or record something and then send it to him. You have that capability today. But what, what about baking him some cookies or, or baking him a cheesecake or uh, baking him uh, a carrot cake and then leaving it at the doorstep? It goes a long way because if you tickle that, that little sweet tooth he's got, you can kind of get your way a little bit. I'm preaching. Every man has a weakness, and it's just not uh, romance. It's, uh, every man likes to be pampered a little bit. You want to get something, you got to learn how to give something. Show some kindness. Call him sweetheart. At least today, call him sweetheart. Sweetie, sweetie, things like that. Sweetie, give him sweets. If he's not a diabetic, you'll kill him if he's, you'll kill him slow death if he's a diabetic. <laughs> Make sure it's sugar free. <laughs> you kill him slow death. You give him the sweets. Take it. Go ahead and eat it. Eat it. All of it. <laughs> Number three, our father's compassionate. Write it down. Compassionate. He shows compassion. When he looks out and sees a need, there's a weight that rests on his heart. He shows compassion. 
Jesus was walking for several days. A multitude is following him. His disciples said, send them home. Jesus said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. They haven't eaten anything yet. Good fathers are, are compassionate fathers. They're not just mean. Good fathers don't see a George Floyd's death and say, you know what? He was a criminal. He was a criminal. Why are we, why are we walking around celebrating him? Good, compassionate father would say, what if that was my son? Got a whole lot of religious people making statements like that. But you need to be very careful. No man deserves to have his life taken. I don't care what he did yesterday. If God didn't take it, no other man should take it. Where's the compassion? Where's the compassion? For some reason, God sometimes would take the least of us and to create a worldwide movement. Of course, his life isn't right. Of course, he had some falls. Of course, he did this and that. But was he worthy of death? Eight, nine minutes on his neck. Where was the compassion? There had to be a demonic spirit to feel that man's soul, to see people recording and you still stay there. There had to be another entity to invade the man's space. No man in his right mind can do that. Where is the compassion? Compassion would say to the other officers, Bill, you're going too far, man. You're going too far with that. Come on with it. Where's the compassion? I don't even have to know you. You don't even have to be my color. But if I see wrong, if I see injustice, compassion rises up. That's how our father is. Psalm 103 and 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's even slow to anger. Abounding in love. Abounding. Hinds feet in love from mountaintop to mountaintop. We should overflow with our compassion. When we see the ills in our society and the injustices, good fathers should rise up. We shouldn't just stand up when our favorite basketball player does what he does or our football player does what he does. But we should be compassionate when we see injustices in our society. We should be slow to anger. Slow to anger. Glory to God. I had a young female correct me to say you shouldn't ever. I was speaking on Friday night. Uh, you shouldn't ever use the word riot you shouldn't use the word riot in a positive way. You shouldn't associate riots with anything positive. And I was able to, since she went public with it, I was able to correct her. I'm used to people like you trying to tell me how to handle the language. I'm amazed that you would come in our community and you would say something to me around the people that I influence about how to speak. When I was talking about riots or the language of the unheard and let's riot in education, let's riot in fixing our community. I use the word riot as the rap artists do. They'll take a word. English majors don't do it, but the rap, the rap boys are able to do it and take a word and then pivot that word to give you a different meaning. That's where young people are today. So I wasn't talking to the mayor. I wasn't talking to the city councilman. I wasn't talking to the city managers. I wasn't talking to any of the uh, law enforcement people. I was speaking to young, 
angry African-American men right now who are watching people look like them getting shot in the street. That you don't riot by burning down buildings, but riot around the, the concept of education and building your buildings. Now, because you're so caught up at explaining and telling men how they need to function, and you love to correct folk, because you do that often, you're able to do it and get away with it. I need to chasten you. The next time you come into a, a forum like this, can you just chill a little bit and try to understand before you start trying to correct stuff that you don't understand? Because when you cut my influence with the people that I influence, the, the assassin's bullet or the police's bullet may be the next thing that touches them. And that's what we're trying to curb. Number four, our father is a giver. He gives. For God so loved the world, John 3 and 16, that he gave. Givers give. Miserable people are misers. But givers give. Our father is a giver. And good fathers should give. Number five, he's faithful. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. He's faithful. He's faithful that promise. I love the scriptures because the scriptures constantly speaking about God and his faithfulness. The Bible says God is faithful. He will not test you above your ability. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape. He's faithful and he wants fathers. He wants mothers that are father and mother. He wants mothers to be faithful as well. Full of faith continually. Stick with the program. This is how he has designed our development. Our best development only comes when we're faithful. Number six, he's merciful. Please write it down. He shows mercy. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve. You were wrong and everybody knows you were wrong. But we're going to extend what we call mercy. And if you've ever been shown mercy, you need to extend mercy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But because of his grace, love, his great love for us, God, uh, who is rich in mercy. He's rich. He's not uh, impoverished. He's not poor there. And he wants us to be richer in the way we show and demonstrate mercy. Thank you, Lord. This is a good one. Our God is strong. Number seven, he's strong. I want to encourage and strengthen you to be imitators of God. Ephesians 2 and 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. And then the Bible says in Psalm uh, 24 and 8. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Mighty in battle. Glory to God. I was writing down, right now we're praying Psalm 23, and I wrote down, actually wrote down uh, something in my home, and I actually did accidentally put Psalm 24, and I was like, well, I made a mistake. The wife looked at it and said, no, you didn't make a mistake. Read Psalm 24. When I read Psalm 24, it started talking about the great, 
the great God, uh, who is the King of Glory, the the Lord strong and mighty and mighty in battle, and He's uh, He He is the God that that occupies gates. Good God from Zion, Amen. I am not the manipulator. I am the gatekeeper. I'm the gatekeeper of this city, and I decree and declare that false apostles can't come through. I decree and declare false religions will not grow. I decree and declare if you're not with Jesus, you're going to have to check yourself. I decree and declare that God is arise and let his enemies be scattered. I decree and declare that our God is strong. Hallelujah. His banner is high. Glory to God. We're lifting up the banner. Jehovah Nisi right now. We identify with the strength of God. Hallelujah. Who's on the Lord's side? I'm on the Lord's side. Glory to God. He is our refuge and our strength and our very present help. In the time of trouble, our God is strong. Glory to God. And you can be strong. Strengthen the feeble in the name of the Lord. Strengthen the knees of those who are weak. Strengthen your resolve in the name. Strengthen your serve in Jesus' name. This is a good one. Number eight, our God is forgiving. If you confess your faults one to one, confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. This is 1 John 1 and 9, to forgive and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He will purify you if you'll just confess it. He's forgiving and we need to be forgiving. Long-term holding arts and holding things against people. There's no way we can go back in the past and correct it. The only remedy is to forgive it and then to release it. This is what our God does. He's did it for us. The next time you have that tendency to hold on to something that happened years ago or several years ago, you need to know that's not the character of God. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Satan is. So anytime you're holding on, I know this sound, this hurts, but if you're holding on, holding on for years, things that people did to you, that's in the realm of the demonic. It is not God. He's forgiving. And I know we say, well, Bishop, it hurt. I know it hurt. I was preaching on bitterness on Wednesday night, the root of bitterness. Please listen to that message. It's a root. It will tie itself, its tentacles around your purpose. Release it so you can begin to flow in the things of God. If you're going to start a business, forgive everybody that hurt you. Because as it goes with your heart, so will it go with your happiness and your money. You want to make money, you got to forgive. That attitude you have when people, triggers can pull you, make your attitude shift. You shut down for days. That's going to choke out your money. Number nine, God is good. Say God is good. Come on, say it even on Facebook. God is good. We like to say it in the black church. I need to say it that way. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. You can go to any church in America from New York down to Miami and say God is good all the time. Guess what the church is going to say? And all the time God is good. Well, he's good right now. He's good when you don't think he's good. He's good when there's death in your life. He's good when your heart is hurting. He's good when everybody forsook you. He's 
good when you don't understand. He's good, hallelujah, when your children don't speak to you. He's still good when sickness is rocking in your body, when you got pain. And he's good when you're on the mountaintop. He's good after this pandemic. He's good for the next job you're going to get. He's good for He's good for the gold, glory to God. He's going to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Our God is good. Glory to God. So give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks unto the Holy One. Give thanks for he has given Jesus Christ his son. And now let the weak say that I'm strong. And let the poor say I'm rich. And let the rich, glory to God, give him praise. Because God is good. Let me start it again. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Sometimes you got to take a step back, kiss yourself and say, God is good. I know you didn't get a kiss for a while, but kiss yourself. Come on, come on, kiss yourself. Slap yourself up and say, God is good. He's been good to Merton Clark. Hallelujah. He's been good to everything that's associating to me. Everybody that connect because he's good to me. He's good to the things that I love. Hallelujah. He's good to my children. He's good to my spouse. He's good to my money. He's good to my ministry. He's good to the city that I'm in. He's good to the soil that's under my feet. My God is good and I need to be good. I need to start working in the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let's give him thanks in the name of Jesus. For he is good. His love endures forever. Hallelujah. Number 10, he's righteous. Write it down. He's righteous. He's righteous. He's righteous. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. Psalm. 45 and 17. He's righteous. And God wants us to be right wise. Right wise. You know, lean toward the righteousness. Incline. Be, you need to incline yourself toward righteousness. Okay? Everybody's doing wickedness. Everybody's going this way. Don't make no excuses for it. Lean toward righteousness. We're not even talking about perfection, but think right wise. Think about doing the right thing. The right thing is the wise thing. It's not the convenient thing. It's right there in Psalm 145. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. I'm going to let them put that up because you need to see that. The Lord is always righteous. He's always righteous. Even if there's an issue that occurs, don't blame God. He is righteous in all his ways. And he is faithful in all he does. I need you to memorize that, that he's always righteous and he's always faithful. We need to rise up to God. That's Psalm 145 and 17. I'm going to give you one more and I'll, I'll shift and go in, in, in another direction. I'll give the other 12 at uh, a later service. The other, the other 11 or 12. Because there's 21. The other 10 of them then. God is caring. 
This is an attribute of a good father he's caring. And we need to be caring as well. You can show care by even treating nature better. I remember uh, there was a mother duck a few weeks ago, uh, Nick and I think Spencer and a few other members think Spencer was recording it. But a mother duck laid eggs right here outside of this door. She felt comfortable enough to lay 12 eggs, I think, or 15. At least 12, and all of them hatched. And she was sitting out there on them while we were having church during this pandemic. And the Lord just really comforted my soul. Because some of us, we got nature growing around us. I was at Vivian's house, and, and somehow or another, she was, I think it was a watermelon. Big old watermelon growing on a vine. I mean, I was like, my God. In rocks. This is, this is what I'm saying. In the midst of rocks in a hard place, here's this, here's this watermelon, you know? And it was beautiful, man. And, and she, she picked up on it. Some people, things happen, they never notice it. But look at this phenomenon. It's like Moses, he saw a bush burning. He said, what is that? I need to investigate. Some people, they don't ever see the phenomenon. God is always honking. He's always trying to get our attention, even during, through nature. And I'm looking at this, this, this mother duck, and she, she lays eggs there, and she was, she was faithful to those eggs, and she hatched them. I think Nick gave her feed, and she would nibble on it. And I remember when I saw her, I was like, I don't know if this is good because I remember a few years ago, a mother uh, had some baby uh, ducklings. I don't know what you call them. They're not chicks. Um, hatchlings. I don't, I don't know the name of them. Uh, they're, not, they're not chickens. They're ducks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that. I wasn't raised on a farm, so somebody help me. My dad would probably know what that is. Because he was raised, he said, I was raised with pigs and, and, uh, and those kind of things. I, I, don't, I don't know. I actually, <laughs> I actually hatched when I was in the ninth grade. I just had this thing. We did something in biology, and they were going to take these chickens, and we hatched them and just throw them away. I said, what are you going to do with them? I asked the teacher. He said, well, we're getting rid of them. I said, can I have them? I'll, I'll take them home. And I walked home when I was in the ninth grade with this big box of chickens, or maybe... 25, I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I, I walked all the way home from high school and I asked my parents, I said, let me raise them. He said, what are you doing? I said, let me, I, I parlay for them. I, I, I said, I can do it. Let me raise them. He said, well, I'm not taking care of them. Anyway, Nick helped me out. We built a chicken coop and we raised them. Some of them turned into roosters and tried to attack me. And I had to put the hammer down. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? You can raise chicks. You can raise them up. And as soon as they get a little power, a little power, a little knowledge, they feel like they can attack you. I had to, I had to set them straight. But my dad went out there and uh, he decided he was going to harvest one. Yeah, we're going to have chicken tonight. We're going to have a little chicken tonight. I'm not going to Winn-Dixie. Uh, we have enough out there. 
and he eyed my chick. I come home and smell a strange smell. And uh, what are you doing? I saw a leg sticking out the sticking out the pot. Uh, what are you doing? Yeah, we gonna have. Yeah, I didn't feel like going to Win Dixie. How did you do it? You wrung his neck. What? What? It hurt me to my heart. And he said it before, it's like we was gonna eat. Nick and I didn't eat. I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. And we were always taught to show respect. I didn't show any disrespect, but I said, I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. Where's the kindness? The caring spirit. When I saw this duck outside and she was hatching the eggs, I thought about something that happened a few years ago. Mother had some little ones and she kept at night, she wouldn't nest. And that's not, that's not natural. They find a nest at night. She kept walking across the street. And here comes this guy, he saw her. And he just ran over her, man. And I'm standing right out there and it just really bothered me. At the time I had a truck and uh, put lights on it like police lights and only you only could do it in the parking lot set the truck up stop the traffic and the little babies wouldn't leave their mother even though she was dead and I got a great lesson out of that how we try to hang around and try to hatch dead stuff we know it's dead I won't leave it we had to shoo them into the woods to save their lives, which they may have been susceptible to predators. I don't know. I thought about it for a week. And the Lord just really told me that I put that kind of heart in you uh, when I gave you those chicks or gave you the desire to raise them. That was your first pastoral job. They couldn't take care of themselves. I fed them. I found a way. Then my brother helped me. He saw my heart. I would get up early in the morning and go out and watch him. Sometimes cats got in there. I could see feathers. And I had to make sure that sometimes raccoons, if you don't watch it, they'll try to eat their feet from under them. Went through all of those changes to see how the enemy will slowly walk God's people down. Well, slowly the enemy. You'll think everything is fine, but it's not. There's a dirty bomb that he puts right in the midst of you. Obedience and righteousness is the key. When you do that as the good shepherd, he'll start protecting you. He'll put things around you to keep the predators out because he cares for us. When you're caring, you look at nature different, differently. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26. A good father every once in a while has to go and look at the, wor look at the world that we live in. Matthew 6 and 26. Look at the birds of the air. Look at them. You need to examine nature. You need to stop watching games and look at nature. Stop watching sports only and look at nature. Stop watching what you love only and look at nature because God speaks through nature about caring, a caring spirit. 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? When you look at nature and look at how God preserves nature, you mean to tell me he's going to take you to a spot and not take care of you? You're supposed to see the caring act of God, the caring side of God when you look at nature. I was watching blackfish and how these killer whales, they were harvesting their babies and snatching them away from the mothers and separating them. And the mothers wouldn't go back into the sea. They would take them and, and corral the little calves and have them in a, in a certain area and have a barrier where the mother couldn't get to them. And they were crying all night. These are animals that they could feel that you took my baby from me. You took my baby from me. They were crying all night. They wouldn't go. Look at nature. You can see even in nature there's a caring. There's a communication between mother and child or mother and offspring. And there should be that same caring between father and offspring. We don't say mama's got that. We should get up too and check on them in the night. And not when they're just 18. You got to check on them when they're two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, all the way up. Because that's what our God does. Thank you, Jesus. The end goal of the Christian life is to become the man that God wants us to be. How do you infuse these traits into your life? In the area of vision, in the area of mission, as it relates to purposes and goals. How do you shape these attributes? How do you get them into your own life? It's one thing to talk about God, but how do you infuse it into your mission? How do you infuse it into your purpose? And the word was made flesh. How do you infuse it into your goals? How do you become caring as it relates to your goals? The foundation that leads men must start. The foundation that leading men must start building the character on. Here it is. This is the foundation if you're going to build your life on. And it is the foundation of what we call discipline. It's not pretty, but it's discipline. It's not going to get no applause, but it's discipline. It's the foundation that you build your life on. Discipline in our case is called spiritual discipline. It's a training exercise that you never escape. Many of us were more faithful to discipline when we were teenagers. And then when we become men, we forsake the disciplines that we have. We just start becoming lethargic about everything. If you ever played organized sports, you do not play organized sports without discipline. You do not tell the coach what you want to do if you're going to play on the, on the team. You don't do that. Nobody does that. We only do that when we start growing up and all of a sudden we don't need these disciplines anymore. But you start building on the foundation called discipline and you continue to structure your structure, your goals, your mission, your vision, your purposes in life. Glory to God is shaped around discipline. 
Training as you, as you shape your life around discipline will accelerate and focus your process. If you're building on discipline, you will accelerate the process. You will call it, the, you will focus. Your focuses will, will, will also uh, uh, begin to sharpen as well. You want acceleration? Then work with the disciplines. Don't move the ancient stones. We don't progress with, with knowledge alone. You have to pro progress with character. That's how we really move from faith to faith, glory to glory, and from strength to strength. As we develop disciplines, and you got to learn how to do, do that. Discipline, glory to God. Disciplines are so important. The discipline of being in the world, but not of it. That means you can see the parade of the world going by and you don't participate. That's the discipline. I can watch y'all, but I can't, I can't celebrate with y'all just so you can identify with me. No, there's a discipline. I must put distance between us. If I'm going to get in shape, I have to get in the gym at least three times a week. And that discipline over a three-month period will begin to shape my body. If I want my faith to grow, I can't just study the word. I must put the word into practice over a period of time. And that discipline will cause me to grow in faith. If I want to develop a new hairstyle, I got to let my hair grow and I need to take care of it a certain way. And as I do that, the discipline will cause me to get what I want. If I want to graduate from college, I can't go for the first semester and then get pregnant and get out and then want to teach everybody else about finishing college. I got to stick with it. When everybody else is partying, everybody else got his menage a trois, everybody else got orgies, I got to make sure I stick with it. I got to get my mind right and I got to keep marching until I get through it. And I got to stop by my church. And I got to sit on the front row. And I got to do what I need to do. Every once in a while, I need to connect with the mainframe. And when you do that, Things start coming together. And you will finish strong in the church. Say amen. amen. I give you in depth later, but there are five disciplines. Number one, prayer. Number two, scripture. I wish I could do it. I need to finish it on Wednesday night. Number two, scripture. And I need to dig into that. Do you even have the discipline of reading the scriptures and I'm talking about getting it in your heart. If you don't have that, there's a segment of you that's still anemic. You want to be successful in these things and infuse the attributes of God in your life? You must marry the scriptures. Join the discipleship course. Get in the word. At least listen to the word and eventually study the word. But you got to start listening to the word. There are people who don't have the mind of God. They think they do, but they don't. You can't get the mind of God without scripture. The third thing is the brotherhood. Not the hood, but the brotherhood. Not the hoodie, but the brotherhood. And I'm not cutting down people that have hood, but there are men who, the brotherhood, uh, we need, there's some brotherhoods we need to avoid or some hoods we need to avoid. The brotherhood will keep you from going to the hoods that you need to avoid boys in the hood 
You need a brotherhood, but avoid that hood and get with the brotherhood. There's a whole spirit that's trying to push us away from that, to push young men away from the senior men. Ah, no, they, they still old school. What is that? You don't grow without old school. He calls the young because you're strong, but you must marry the old because we know the way. Samuel would not have known God if it wasn't for an Eli. He heard God, but he didn't interpret it right. He thought Eli was speaking to him. Eli had to say, I perceive that God is dealing with you. That over there ain't God, but this is. Who's telling you that? Glory to God. Number four, you need accountability. If you're going to infuse the attributes, you need accountability. A lot of times, Christian men have the wrong idea about accountability. We associate with people that are not even saved. <laughs> man, and let me just put a pitch out there for any man. Please make sure that you join the men's group on Facebook. Even if you're not a Facebook man, get on Facebook and join the group. We need to stay connected. Join this hood. You need to be able to connect with men that are accountable. They're not impressed with you. They're not impressed with your muscles. They're not impressed with your shoulders. You just like to hang around ladies, man, and love all that stuff. Actually, they'll get tired of that. You better put something in your spirit and in your mind. Men aren't, we don't walk around, I mean, look at your muscles. Yeah, ooh, you're, we don't do that. You've been hanging around ladies way too long. You cry in front of them, cry, they give you tissue. And you love that. Men are not going to baby you like that. We raise up men. When you scratch your knee, when you fall, we're not sitting like your mother. Oh, you're hurting. We don't do that. Lock yourself up, man. Get yourself together. Do you want to raise a family where you got to learn how to will and work? No man going to celebrate you talking about you don't work. Who's that? You got to get around men that can tell you that's off. Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. Bible. I don't care about your ingenuity. There's a character building that you got when you get up in the morning and you go and work. If you don't do that, you'll start developing other habits. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Accountability. You need accountability, man. You need accountability. People aren't impressed with you. Ladies are, but not men. Glory to God. Y'all got me? <laughs> I need that to sink in for a while. Five, personal ministry. You must get involved, engage. If you want these things to get inside of you, you can't sit on the bench and say they did it. You got to get with the process, come under the weight, and engage. And you'll start seeing God infuse you with attributes of the Father. You must get engaged. Be engaged. Men, it's time to be engaged. If you're not a part of a ministry, think about it. We've had almost three months of no activity. Shut down everything. We should come back when we get right with a fervor to get involved. Even if we gave the praise team a break. 
Y'all take a break. Take, take a couple weeks. Just chill. I'll preach anyway. Give me a soundtrack. Because they've been here on the job. Amen. We may need to sing a congregational song. Let them chill for a while. They've been on it. Not really. Not really. <laughs> Forget that. <laughs> no, we need to, we need, we may need to give them a little break, right? You saw them sitting today. I like that. I like that. They've been working, man. But some people, that's right, good. That's good. They've been working. Now just think about those of us that's been relaxing. We're full. I've been preaching for it for an entire three months through the uh, pandemic. Not to put any guilt trip on anybody else. This is my call. But I'd like to see us come back with fervor. We're going to see new people, new growth coming. It's coming. People who were laid back are, are going to start picking it up. And I'm so grateful. You've been so good, good in your giving and sharing, even during this pandemic. Continue to flow with God. We see small deficits, but thank God that you've been continuing your giving and your sharing. For those who haven't given, break off God a thousand dollar seed. You want me to be mild, right? But you're not mild. You want thousands. You want the government to send you a thousand. I want you to send God a thousand. If everybody participated, church wouldn't die. Think about what we're able to do when you haven't given anything. What would happen if all of us sold? Amen. Father, I thank you for the engagement of men, fathers. We long to have your attributes. We long to have your attributes. We long to have your character. I've named off 10 or 11 attributes of God. Father, I thank you for infusing those things through prayer, scripture. Accountability, brotherhood, and engagement. Father, we need to be in the community, the church community, and I thank you that it will thrive. You've never forsaken your church, organized church. Even during the times of Christ, when the church was persecuted and the pandemic hit the church, she still grew. Because you love her. Even when she went apostate. You showed through Jose that you would not forsake her. And you haven't forsaken us. And I just thank you for covering us with your blood. Fathers need your attributes. We've tried to do it in our own strength and we've come up short. But thank you. For infusing these attributes with disciplines. As I complete this message on Wednesday night. I give you praise Lord. I thank you for the engagement. 
that our men would join the groups and not be lethargic about that, that we would read the devotionals and not be laid back and have apathy as it relates to the things of God, that we will be activated to, to work in the flow, that we will pull our families together at times and speak to our children, to our sons and our daughters. And when there are others who don't have fathers, that we would corral these young men and speak truth to them and challenge them with accountability. Let us do it in love and in caring and the spirit of kindness and faithfulness. I love you, Lord. You've been so good to me. Thank you for this church. I'm happy that you called me to pastor it. And before I pass the sword to the next generation, let me fulfill my call and destiny. Before I have to say farewell, I want you to say well done. And I just pray that you would do that for every man, that he would have a heart before we leave this earth, that there will be a legacy that we leave. Some substance, density. And when we hear you say, well done, we can say to ourselves, I ran well. I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Thank you for the crown that's there for me. I don't want it yet, Lord. There's too many here that need to be developed. So help me to raise them up and help me to spark them, to engage, to encourage them, influence them, to engage in the process. Lastly, Lord, infuse us with the desire to have these attributes To come alive in our purpose and our destiny and our goals and our mission and our message and in our song in message and song I give you praise thank you Lord you're so good you're a good father thank you Jesus it has been a real joy to share the Word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.